All right, well, this is your episode, Joey. You're uh, the creative oh. director on this episode, so I'll let you get us into it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Affable Chat. As always on Affable Chat, we're going to dive deep, as deep as we can, into a topic of our choosing. Normally, we talk about movies, but today is an exception. That's right. Today is an off-script episode with just myself, Joey, and Benjamin. Say hello, Benjamin. Hello. It's a pleasure to be on an a, a episode of Affable Chat. Where the, your hands are free, because it will be up to me to edit this uh, podcast. That's right. Usually my hands are so full of responsibilities with it, but I'm... Usually you're looking at your watch at around the 60-minute mark going, okay, I'm going right, to wrap Joey, this up. All right, Joey, all right. Yeah, today I'm, I'm co-pilot. I'm writing uh, Shotgun. But you had some topics prepared, didn't you? you said yes. You had some well, <laughs> as I always do, because you know people people think that our off script episodes, everything is just coming straight off the dome, you know. And and sometimes we do like to you do free association and stream of consciousness type stuff. But you know, we 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 understand people's time is valuable, and we like to think of things that we want to cover before we get into the episode. Uh, and unfortunately, this week for me. Uh, it's a little bit lacking in inspiration, I think, for podcast-ready topics. Uh, so I do have a short list here of topics I was considering bringing up, and uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just maybe we'll Please touch share. on it. Maybe we won't. But, uh, so the first one is yurts. Just one what's word. A, what's a yurt? Okay, that's actually. I'm I'm glad you said that because I've felt pretty foolish hearing people reference yurts like there's some normal thing that we're all supposed to know about. Let me let me uh, let me like see if I can suss out what a yurt is. Yeah. Does it have anything to do with yogurt? No. Is it like a small house or something? Yes. Like a small structure. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's it, like recently I saw it in a meme that was making fun of the meme that's like if your circle isn't talking about stocks and uh you know investment portfolio and this then right. you need to get a different circle. You know, because like money should be your number one priority. But instead of money, they had other stuff, and one of them was yurts. Like, if your squad isn't ah. talking about buying a yurt, then you need to get a new circle. And I was like, "What is that? What is a yurt?" And apparently, a yurt is like a little uh, like tent building, basically, like a almost like a. It, it's kind of unique, but it, it's basically like a large tent that is. Isn't more, it kind of like a igloo but made out of plastic? I don't think it's made out of, maybe it's made out of plastic. It looks like it's made out of wood and it has like something draped over it. But it's basically okay. like a little hut. It's like a more permanent version of a tent, I guess. But it seem based on the way I've heard it referenced, it's uh almost like I I've heard it referenced kind of like uh what's the word for when something becomes nicer because people spend money on it and it causes the property value to go up uh and then poor gentrification? people Yes, it's like a gentrified <laughs> version of a tent is what I'm uh I see. Which There's is what like was the, that's the vibes rich I'm getting. white out person's of it. tent, but permanent. It's kind of like a gazebo. Is it like where does it stand on like our list of like structures or or uh <laughs> <laughs> what is what, what am I thinking of of uh, of shelters right right in our Maslow's hierarchy is it is it uh, greater than a gazebo or less than a gazebo I think it's less than a gazebo in its permanence because it does look like you can deconstruct a yurt and move it uh, with uh, le- relative ease probably less ease than in just a normal tent I see requires but some it, tools you might say 
Right. Yeah, sure. It looks like you have to really put some stakes in the ground, and there's a bunch of, like, cables coming off of it, but it, it does look like you could deconstruct and reconstruct a yurt. So, hmm. there we go. Check that one off the list. All right. <laughs> we we established it. what a yurt is. <laughs> um, uh, another, what else you got? Another one, I've got pandemic haircuts. Oh. Which, um, <laughs> only because well, you, I recently got well, a haircut. you had your mom... Uh, has been cutting your hair, right? For the last year, I guess. Until Until I got vaccinated. And then after I got vaccinated, I started doing more than literally nothing. And (laughs) I have gone to Great Clips a few times. And Great Clips have actually been mask holdouts. I still haven't gone to Great Clips without having a mask on. And right now, that makes perfect sense because the Delta variant, all that stuff. But even when a lot of places were pretty like mask list like be- basically in the direct aftermath of a lot of people getting vaccinated right great clips was a whole of freedom right right and and they kept it going but it was interesting because the one great clips i went to they were good at cutting hair with masks on like they would grab it all right off your ear and like hold it out real strong you know like straining to keep your face straight because the elastic <laughs> is trying to twist your head to the side and, and they just let go and snap it into your ear <laughs> they just, well the reason they have to do that is so that they can get right around your ear you know because i yeah. get it i get it short on the sides so i don't i want them to get close to the ear and uh, I got a haircut yesterday, and the lady was, like, not trying to touch my mask. And I could see hairs that were, like, trapped under the, the elastic of the mask just staying there. And I was like, can I – if I hold – if I take the mask off, will you cut th- those hairs? It's just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I was like, listen, I <laughs> – I <thought>, Yeah. <laughs> like, listen. What, what is your role here? <laughs> I, I want to be careful in the, the pandemic, and I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. But also, I'm here to get my hair cut. And I'm not gonna wear a mask a hundred percent of the time. So, uh, yeah, that was that that was something that uh, is still going on. And um, hmm. maybe I will next time just skip great clips altogether. Save, you know, twelve bucks and and go see my mom and get another okay. uh, mom cut. Another great mom cut. They were great. I've been going they- to a new. I've been going to a new haircut place uh, near me, and they actually will give you a massage and like a. Um, um, like a shampoo and everything, and okay. everybody's in like little booths instead of like at, at like Great Clips or I used to go to Fantastic Sam's where it's kind of like an open concept kind of thing where everybody's mirrors and chairs are right next to each other. This yeah. is like little cubicles, you know, like you're separated, you can't see the people next to you. Ah, I see. Um, so I feel more comfortable taking my mask off there because it's like just kind of one on one, really. Um, you're not like out in the open necessarily, although it's kind of, I don't know, it, the whole thing is kind of with iffy sure to, go to, to start with but anyway no it's uh that's been a really good experience actually i've uh, enjoyed going there uh, much more than other places so oh yeah you when you find so a more yeah yeah i mean when you find a good place to get your hair cut it, it really improves your quality of life i still stress out every time i have to go to great clips because uh it's kind of a roll of the dice if you will uh because you could definitely hit on a nat one and and suffer uh, <laughs> a pretty brutal haircut uh and, and even potentially have to go to a follow-up haircut at a different place right to, to avo- save avoid face. the embarrassment <laughs> yeah so, so funny um so okay so there you go pandemic haircuts okay. bing Check. bada boom <laughs> uh next up on my list um and this is not a commercial although it may sound like an endorsement uh Little Caesars, dude. 
Have you ever oh. heard? Have you ever heard the phrase? Uh, Little Caesars tastes so good when you don't got a bitch in your ear telling you it's nasty. I have never heard that. That's not a <laughs> phrase that makes sense or is easy to remember. There's a lot it's, of nouns and there's direct a, objects. It, there's a meme. There's like a there's a popular image on the internet that goes along with it that has like a person uh, looking satisfied. And uh, I find Little Caesars to be kind of a polarizing topic. And uh, you can a lot of times tell a lot about somebody's socioeconomic background based on their reaction to you eating Little Caesars, whether or not you're willing to uh, go through the, uh, you know, the process of masticating and digesting five dollars worth of an entire pizza. And um, where do you fall on that spectrum, Joey? Where what's your like? If you caught me, if you walked in on me eating a slice of Little Caesars pizza, what would you? What would be your reaction? I mean, it's funny that you say like socioeconomic background because I know for a fact that you could do better. Was is how I was I would act like? Oh, <laughs> you're eating Little Caesars. What are you trying to do? You know. I mean, that, here's the thing, right? And you know, maybe this isn't. Maybe I'm being flippant with this, but like. Pretty much everyone has an oven, right? And pizzas at the grocery store cost around five dollars. You know, uh, maybe less, a little bit more. DiGiorno is like six seventy or something. Red Baron and stuff is right around like five dollars. And you can put it in your oven, and you can have a better quality pizza that's actually hotter and more ready <laughs> than Little Caesars. <laughs> well, um, sure, you know, I, it-, it takes like thirty minutes to cook the pizza because you have to preheat the oven and everything, but like. I mean, it might take you 15 minutes to drive to Little Caesars and 15 minutes to get back. And then by the time you drive back, the pizza is not no longer hot and ready. It is cold and in a cardboard box. Nah. Uh, okay. I see which C. I told you it's, it's, it is definitely polarizing. I, uh, I'm i not much of a Little Caesars guy ever since college ended. And my my like, stance on Little Caesars is that it's an incredible amount it's an incredible quantity of food for a small (laughs) amount of money and it's easily it's very easy to acquire so uh in college there'd be a lot of times where we'd have a whole horde of college students over for a party and things would go into well a lot of times little caesar's really about the darties so you'd start early in the day and by the evening everybody is exhausted and hungry and you need a way to to feed an army and little caesar's was a good way to just say all right everybody give me five bucks i'll be back with enough food to feed us all and that was really useful i i really enjoyed that utility for little caesar's and that's the reason i uh had little caesar's yesterday was the utility of it because <laughs> i was you know, I'd worked a full hard day, put in my, uh, you know, got my full day's work in, and then went and got a haircut, an additional thing I had to go do. And I was just, I was running on empty. I was running on fumes. And Little Caesars, the glow of the orange Little Caesars <laughs> sign was so inviting. And I was in and out in a flash, faster yeah. than, uh, than you can say pizza, pizza. I was walking out. <laughs> With uh, which actually is actually more than five bucks. It was more than I remembered. I ended up paying I think like six fifty 
for oh, a pizza. What, what right. is that? Come I know. On. Inflation. I, yeah. Am I right? Yeah, I know. Infl- what the a economy. huge problem. Yeah, the economy. And <laughs> hey, and the thing what's, what's crazy is that I had to go make the pizza myself because nobody wanted to work. So I had to That's go in right. there. <laughs> and you had to step in there and be like, hey, you want to take an order? And then you jump to the other side of the counter and say, yeah, I want a pizza for $5. He said, we can't do that anymore. It's six fifty. It's an inflation economy. And then I got on the That's other side. That's why I work in here because there's nobody who will want to work anymore. And I was like, hey, also, nice haircut. Did you just get that? And then I was like, yeah, <laughs> the Greek lips. <laughs> But, uh, okay, well, it's yeah. interesting you say that because I am often in that same headspace where I'm like, okay, I am tired. I don't want to make anything, right? I just want someone to give me food, food that I enjoy. It doesn't have to be good for you. It just has to be something I want to eat. But I have, like, really embraced the online ordering, like, stuff. Like, I, I order stuff, like, for lunch and dinner all the time online. And then by the time I drive up to the place that – I'm ordering from it's ready and then it's like oh wow I didn't have to wait at all for the thing like I, I could have driven there waited there in line and told him what I wanted and then eventually get it or I can let the app or the internet the power of the internet propel my order before me so that when I arrive it is there waiting and that's been awesome because then I can get I get like there's a place near me there's poke bowls I've been eating a bunch of those those have been so nice oh, I love poke bowls and like they, they're a little closer to me, so I have to wait about five minutes before I have to leave. But again, it's like, that's worth it. Like, if I'm just going to pop out for some food and back. And the same thing is true if I'm going from someplace. You know, I was like, okay, I'm hungry and I'm going to want to eat something when I get home. Why don't I decide what I'm going to eat before I leave, order it while I'm in the car on my phone, and then I'll just drive there and then drive home. And there you go. That solves your pizza problem, and you don't have to. You don't even have to eat Little Caesars pizza. That's what I'm trying to say. There's there's ways around this. No, it's true, and it's cool that a lot of places are offering stuff like that. Um, I, I want to be completely clear. I enjoyed every bite, okay? And I know that yeah. people on your <laughs> side of the aisle, your side of this dichotomy, don't like to hear that. But that's right. Let me tell you that it's a hard truth. Little Caesars tastes so good when you don't have a bitch in your ear telling you that it's nasty okay <laughs> well that's me thanks for listening to Apple chat i'm joey the bitch in your ear telling you it's nasty <laughs> but no dude i um it, it's actually kind of uh i mean this is so like have you literally gone to a restaurant at all since the pandemic but like all the qr codes out here like the way that we get food has changed uh not only yeah. can you order in or order delivery in ways guess the other thing too the box on the little caesar said we do delivery now which you know is totally unexpected based on what their business yeah. model originally was i mean maybe that's why the pizza is more expensive because they pay drivers or something but uh the, <laughs> <laughs> um say with so much disdain <laughs> Listen, I went in there to spend. I had five dollars. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm not gonna spend an extra dollar to give me my pizza. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, what's your uh, what's your take on the on the QR codes becoming so normalized? So, I actually went to this place um, in in Raleigh that was all QR code like based. Like normally, it's like it's a um, it's just a menu, right? And then the the wait staff comes to you and it's a normal interaction, but this is completely different. I would order everything on the website that was available to me through the QR code and I would just pick everything and then 
place that order and then they would guess it would go straight to the kitchen and then somebody brought me the food but that was the only interaction i had with any of the wait staff besides like the hostess who sat gave me the table so that was really interesting and like i paid through the app and everything but i did read this scary article <laughs> recently that talked about how when you're paying for stuff especially uh through those qr codes you are uh basically giving up some of your data basically you are you're providing that the people that make those QR codes are providing a service that extracts the data that you readily um, give away by engaging in this convenience, um, which is funny because like, like, oh, I, I, I'm going to do the thing that's safe. I'm going to give a stranger my credit card and let them walk into a place I can't see them. <laughs> you know, that's the that's the safe option. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other option, though, is for you to literally just give away your purchase history and some of your credit card information to uh, random third parties who will sell it uh, to other people for, for them to sell you better ads. Um, so it's uh, it's insidious, but kind of expected. And I'm afraid it's just going to become more and more normalized as we realize we don't actually need quite as many people to work in restaurants. Um, we can do things all through the app. You know, we can you know, all that technology is already there. Um, and you'll save you a lot of labor and stress by hiring uh, servers. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, first off, I'm I'm totally black pilled already on my like information when it comes to being like served up the best ads. Right. My entire I exist to generate data that will make it easier <laughs> for advertisers to show me things I want to buy. I will become the ultimate consumer. So that that doesn't bother me that much. Uh, it's yeah, but I actually I didn't know that. So I mean, that's good. It's yeah, interesting. I don't know. It makes me hesitant, and I'm probably gonna hold out on it as long as I can, as long as it's reasonable to you know. Well, I've heard but like yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot of different takes on it. Like a lot of places that here in Columbia, South Carolina, that have QR codes, you can still ask for a menu, and they'll still give it to you. But and I don't know if the QR code menu thing applies, right? Because that's just literally like a website. You can generate a you can generate right. a QR code today with nothing, right? They people they're just like algorithms. Sure. Well, there's a, there's the, a lot of it's the payment. I think that the payment term like uh, co codes that are the um, uh, problem. Right. Well, I, I think there's a lot of different things to take on this. Like, for instance, who saw the QR code comeback coming? You know, like oh, QR man. cards are such a I wouldn't say like uh, useless uh, technology because it's very useful. Obviously, it's just never utilized. I 100% agree. When I was making posters for our fraternity in college, I put QR codes on the posters. I, I love QR codes. It's they're they're so cool as an idea because you can put anything on there and you like it's like a surprise, right? Like oh, you do the extra work of pulling out your phone and scanning it, you might get something cool. And um, you can't tell what it is at all until you put, you know, until you scan it, basically. And maybe that could be dangerous because maybe you could download some malware or something. But it's also, you know, kind of a cool little tool. And I, I was surprised that they weren't used more when they first came out. But I am very happy to see their introduction uh, today, even if they're maybe being used for evil. Sure. And, and it's, yeah, an introduction, really, just like more of mainstream acceptance, right? Because it was always wild that all everybody's phone could just do it. It was easy. Yeah. 
Like it wasn't like something you had to download the QR code app or like welcome to Facebook QR code, the new like <laughs> like addition to the Facebook cyberverse. Uh, yeah. It's just normal. It's just anything. Uh, it's it's really I don't know. It's, it's just it's I feel like it's pretty unique as far as like functional technology that everybody just has but didn't utilize. But I think my take on it, and this is. I probably heard this from somebody else, but I agree with it, is that I don't want more excuses to have your phone out at the meal table. I would rather have a menu to pour over and share that experience with the people I'm eating with instead of having everybody dive into their phone and inevitably spin off into whatever application is pushing the most colorful and uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it enticing push notification into their eyes. So I would. I, that's why I don't like the QR codes, at least at these restaurants. Right. Well, it introduces the phone back into the conversation. Right? It gives makes it net, like gives you an excuse to do it. Um, but I don't know. That's just part of our the, the evolving culture that we are helping develop uh, because we're on the forefront of this is phone etiquette. You know, yeah. There's definitely. a lot of different little rules I think that people engage with, and I think there's expectations that people have about how people interact with their phones in public, and what it means when you're on your phone in public, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. But I think it varies from person to person, just like any kind of culture like this. But um, there's no hard and fast rules. But I would like to believe that people that, you know, you hang out with are responsible enough to be able to engage and then disengage, right? That's like the goal is to be able to say, oh, I can pull something up really quick and not get sucked down into my Facebook rabbit hole or something. Right. So if you start going to other apps after you look at the menu, well, maybe you're not invited to brunch next week. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. maybe I'll find somebody else to – because I, I do – I really – I try to notice it when it happens, uh, when people are willing to set aside their phone for an extended period of time and focus on spending time – with me and i'm not trying to be like some sort of like anti-technology andy because like obviously i spend we're making a podcast right now like i'm very much a user of the internet i enjoy that but finding that time you know or not even finding it it's just choosing the time consciously that's that is important definitely and i think that like i think the push notifications thing is so interesting because i think a lot of people just act on autopilot where they're just like, oh, I got this thing, and now I'm going to react to it right now, right? And they're and to me, that's worse than just actively ignoring you, right? It's the like, oh, I am not thinking fully, right? I'm not completely aware of what I'm doing. I'm just acting on autopilot, and this thing is, you know, sort of controlling me uh, without me when I'm not paying attention. Um, and that's that's what bugs me because it's like I know you want to be here. But you're not. And it's because, like, not because you don't have any self-control, but because, like, you're just not fighting it, you know? And so it's, um, it can be, I think it can be frustrating. But I think it's, like, it's one of those things where you just, like, you have to talk to people about and understand the expectations that you have, you know? I actually, I have to tell the people I'm with to stop talking to me when I'm sending a text message. I'm a very yes. slow texter. I can't do both. And sometimes people think that you can. So I'll be sitting there very much like trying to get the wording exactly right. And then they'll start talking to me and I'm just like, 
I'm sorry. I'm not listening. I don't know what you just said. I'm focused only on this that's happening right here in my phone, and I will return to the real life conversation momentarily, and then yes, and put I, it away. I appreciate it when you do that because it's like, okay, I could spend ten minutes doing both, or I could spend five seconds doing it right now, and then you just have to wait. You know exactly. But, exactly. But like again, it's like it's the communication that makes that possible, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to do this, everyone. That's why I, I have my phone out and, th- and and why I'm ignoring you at this moment. Now, like, announcement, I am back. Yeah. Uh, I am free to engage. Um, I actually like to yeah. uh, be very uh, emotive and um, physical to, to prove how in the moment I am right now. And I'll generally, like, I'll, like, throw my phone onto the couch or something <laughs> to show how very much I'm not stuck in my phone anymore i'm like okay it's sent and then just yeet it across the room to show i'm back fully and yeah uh, i think I, I don't know i'm not saying that's the way everyone should do it but i think that's you know part a of developing. grand gesture certainly goes a long way sure <laughs> and what what am i without my grand gestures right that's right um uh, I, I have one last thing on this list Okay, and I think it's it's like a conversation we've been having, but um, I have been taking a step back from football for personal reasons, oh, and wow. it's not like football hurt me. If anything, football has been so good to me that I have to try to find the uh, a, a I have to draw a line lest I be sucked in completely, and um, it's been it's been really interesting. Uh, it one thing that I take for granted or took for granted before was my ability to just talk shop with any old Joe Schmo. And I'm not saying that um, only Joe Schmoes watch football or that uh, I didn't appreciate the conversation with those Joes, Uh, but I can't talk about as much as I could before. And sometimes I find my conversation uh, dying. Uh, mid mm. midway through because I just they're like oh my gosh did you see what happened to Indiana last week and I'm like no <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I have no idea what happened to Indiana last week and I'm fine with hearing about it you can tell me your news report on it but I'm not going to be able to contribute that much because you know I'm I'm uh, I'm stuck in the past I haven't heard the most recent stuff and but I, I think I think even though I'm paying a price I think it's worth it. I think that being able to invest in other things in my life uh, is worth not being able to dominate every single football-centric conversation. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I no longer have to be the best. I just have to be able to participate. Um, the so, do you think this is going to be a permanent change, or do you think you're just like, are you are you, are you phasing out football? I like, don't think or, no, no. I think or is it just like I need to step away for a little while because I've like I've got been overloaded with football over the last whatever. Right. 12, 13 years. Well, not even that long. It's really been since, like, ironically, it's been since college. Because in college, I was too busy to spend like all that time watching football. I mean, I would sacrifice entire Saturdays to the Gamecocks. But that was different. The majority of that day was not spent watching football. It was spent socializing around football. And that was right. a completely different thing. Now, it's mostly watching, sitting in front of a television and, and viewing, which again is fine. But when you sacrifice, I think it's 11 hours on Sunday to commercial free nonstop football. Don't blink or you'll miss some of the football. It's that's too much. And uh, I love it. Don't get me wrong. I still really enjoy it. So to like answer your question of whether or not like it, the goal is to eventually phase it out completely. I don't believe that that will ever be possible 
as long as I'm an American. Uh, and by, by that, I mean like living in America. Um, I have a friend, Andrew Flair, who moved to Japan, and that was his exit to our fantasy football league because it became pretty much impossible for him to follow football uh, in any way other than looking at the stats, you know, or maybe watching highlights on YouTube, but it's not the same. And I think in that situation, I would probably enter the sports culture of that country and find out what they like to watch. But as long as I'm an American, I feel like I'm, there's a lot of utility in staying in interested in football and it's easy. It's so easy for me. I wish I was as interested in other things as I am in football. I just can never get enough. But I think uh, stepping back and, and intentionally spending less time on it, less energy on it is is helpful. Well, that kind of leads me into what I want to talk about. So I've been consuming a lot of excellent content on YouTube. I mean, I end up watching a lot of YouTube anyway, but recently the, the bar has been raised just a little bit by some of the stuff that's been... Um, presented and, and, and completed um there's a bunch of like small things uh there's a minecraft um uh series called last life that just started up it's always it's it's hysterical it's amazing uh a bunch of the guys from the hermitcraft server uh put it together and it's uh it's just a, a clever idea altogether um vsauce just had a new video that was come out like once a year this one was about uh ontology or like the, whether something exists or not which was fascinating um, Wait, hold on. They, they come out once a year. How long are they? Uh, this one's like 37 minutes. The one before this was like 40 minutes. I think they're like once every six months or so. It kind of depends on whatever he wants to do it because he's doing lots of other things too. So, um, oh, that was really cool. And we can get back to that. Uh, then there was um, CGP Gray's videos about Tiffany's, uh, which was the history of the, of the name Tiffany. And then he made a follow-up video about how he chased down this poem that was like a red herring for months they spent like six months chasing down this poem, going through all these old books and finding out all these things about these old dude, old dead dudes. And then it turned out to be nothing. Um, and it was just a, a, like an exploration and celebration of research, uh, which I thought was very funny. But the, the cream of the crop, the, the, the top of the list here was a seven part documentary made by Secret Base uh, or also known as SB Nation or John Boyes's uh, company, a uh, seven-part series about the history of the Atlanta Falcons. And I watched every minute of it. It was amazing. It was, it was in my opinion, the only way to watch sports. Wow. <laughs> is, is how they present this sort of thing. It's incredible. Now, first of all, the presentation for, that John uh, has pioneered on YouTube is never never been replicated in, a, in any way I've seen successfully, and it's totally unique and always goes back to showing like how uh, like telling the story in such a creative way. Basically, they they use the Falcon as kind of a model, and then they, they 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 plot every win and loss to like show this big graph of like how it's uh, progressing, and he uses that as a prop and as an example to show to tell this larger story about the Falcons. Um, and I, I absolutely highly recommend it. It was incredible. The whole thing is centered uh, around, like the thesis is about the 2016 Super Bowl. I guess it was technically in 2017. Uh, the Super Bowl uh, loss to the Patriots, uh, where the Atlanta Falcons were up 28-3 to and then blew it um, in overtime. And uh, he makes all these amazing parallels. Like he, he parallels it to the election, uh, which was, oh my gosh, so good. He says, Wait, which like, election? 
the 2016 election, of course, between Trump and Hillary. He says, um, like, oh, we got on one side, right, we have Trump's favorite team. He's friends with Tom Brady. He's friends with Bill Belichick. He's friends with the owner of the um, of the Patriots. Robert Kraft, yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, he's, he sits with them. He hangs out with them. He's, the Patriots are his, his team. And um, on the other side, you have the Atlanta Falcons, who are come from Atlanta, which is a majority black city. Uh, what the representative is John Lewis, who is the landmark civil rights leader uh, who, who rose to prominence inside the Senate and recently died. Um, and so, there, you know, not only is this two very different teams, you know, a team that has never had a has very rarely had a winning record in the uh, Falcons and the most winningest team ever, right? The Patriots uh, with the with the the goat uh, Tom Brady uh, leading the way. Um, versus, you know, the, the, these two uh, like uh, at odds with each other, and then um, it all comes down to uh, in the election, it all comes down to something that we all agree is unfair, which is the electoral college. Um, because <laughs> although Trump lost the um, popular vote, he did win in the electoral college, and all of the all of the predictions said that Hillary was going to win until the last second, right? And the same exact thing happened to the Falcons. All the predictions said they were going to win. They were at 99% of favorability to win, according to ESPN. And it came down to something we all agree is unfair, a coin toss. Um, <laughs> so bold of you to assume we all agree the Electoral College is unfair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was amazing. And, um, what they do is they he starts off explaining like the setup to that game. And then he says, but let's just sit here for a little while and then they erase all the history and start up from the very beginning um you know 50 or so years ago when the falcons started talking about all the notable players and all the different uh scandals and craziness that happened um and uh man like the whole idea of it i won't ruin the whole thing because uh they do such a beautiful job tying it all together and they have you know several different narrators that, that show different pieces of it um they go into a whole michael vick um story because he was a prominent a falcon um and oh, oh man it's, it's incredible it was really 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 interesting to me and i love that sort of stuff it's so interesting how like to me sports is like sand right and what john does for this is like the sandcastle right he takes something that's raw and it's like just reality on its face and then he turns it into a story Right. And I love hearing the stories. I love like sports movies and stuff where they talk about the story of, of this team and how like all the meaning behind this game, even though it's just a game, it's, not, it's never just a game, you know. And but like I can't stand just watching a single game like it's so boring to me and because I don't know, like I don't know the history, but I also like it doesn't matter because in that moment, like this doesn't there's no meaning to this. Right. It's just reality. So to have someone synthesize that down to make it something that's like, okay, this is what this means, and this is what it meant to the people in that moment. It was incredible. I know, like, I know it was effective because me, someone who had, who, if you had asked me two weeks ago um, to name a football team, I would never have said the Falcons. If you would show me the Falcons logo, I wouldn't even. I would said the Hawks. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so I, I have literally no idea. But. I in that moment when they were talking about the Super Bowl and I and I had watched the Super Bowl I I remember that 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 event and knowing what's going to happen and all of the build up that goes into it I could just feel my heart breaking I'm just like oh my gosh why are they doing this to me why is this happening 
I got a, a little glimpse of what it was like to be, you know, a true like diehard fan of a team in that moment. Just like having all of that build up to it and all of it come together in the most perfect way, uh, in a way that honestly we all should have seen coming. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's incredible. So I highly recommend it. Um, yeah, let's link like, to it. We'll link to it in the description of this episode. How like, long I is it? Uh, I mean, each one's at least 45 minutes. I think the last episode's like an hour and a half. Wow. So it's uh, it's long. I I watched it over, you know, a week or so, uh, like an episode, and then I took a break and then watched it the next day or something. So, yeah, it was great. It was uh, absolutely entertaining. And then, of course, they have all sorts of great videos on there. My favorite one he's ever done is the Bob Emergency, which is a two-part thing about the history of the name Bob in sports. And... It's so cool. Just like the Bob how, emergency. Yeah, he's talking about how Bob, the the name Bob is no longer as popular anymore. <laughs> now there's not as many Bobs. And so he goes through all the all the famous Bobs and all the like prominent Bobs that played uh sports of any sport basically and talked about their achievements and everything. Man, I remember tearing up at least twice throughout that. Just like talking about these people and like what they were able to achieve like uh, the the you know, the stuff that they overcame and just the dreams uh, that they were able to acquire. It's amazing. So, and this um, is just Bob's, not Robert's. Yes, that's right. Okay. People that went primarily as Bob was his. Was his yeah. Uh, I'm having idea. a lot of trouble even thinking of a Bob. The only Bob in sports I, that comes to mind to me right now is Bob Burnquist, which was the second best skateboarder in a lot of the Tony Hawk video games <laughs> that's funny <laughs> he was not as good as tony hawk of course but yeah. bob burnquist has the younger brother in my video game dynamic uh, at home i was generally a bob burnquist uh player and that's that's all i can even think of right now you'll have to watch it i don't remember any of the guys names besides the name of being bob but <laughs> I, I remember it being really really impactful um, he has a bunch of other really great videos, obviously. The, uh, the, they recently did one, because you've been playing a lot of Madden, uh, they did this. Oh, this Bobby series. Wagner. Okay, I just got another there one. He's go. a really good linebacker right now. Okay, I can't. Okay. I'm still a football Andy. <laughs> I, gotta, like, I would be remiss to not your, remember Bobby Bob. Wagner. Yeah, take your, um, your card away. Reject him from the, from the, <laughs> from the society. Um, they, they have this series called The Fumble Dimension, where yeah. they basically try to break sports simulation video games. Um, and they're always so hysterical. The one that they did recently was try to have the longest play in football possible. Um, because I guess the timer doesn't end until the, the, like your, the guy until with the, the ball play is down. down. Yeah. Right. So what they would do is they, they, uh, they brought back a couple of, characters from previous fumble dimensions uh one of the guys is named i think beef tank a uh, clarence beef tank and he's like just the max of everything like he's like 500 pounds seven <laughs> feet tall really fast and really strong um and he can't like he can't be like knocked over basically and then on the other side the other team was full of these guys called stupid crap faces who are just really <laughs> short and slow <laughs> so they they would get they would what they, the strategy was like okay Let's see if we can just give Beef Tank the ball and just have him run um, in circles for as long as possible. They were able to get over an hour at one point, uh, so that the more than the entire length of a normal football game, uh, completely around the clock out. So it was <laughs> it was hysterical. Um, yeah, you, you should check it out. And it, it's very it's very clever. And then they have a bunch of those uh, 
fumble dimension ones. They talk about like if you what happens if you just play the same play over and over and over again, or like uh, what if you tried to replace every football player or every every basketball player with someone who's terrible, who's like four foot tall and the lowest stats possible, um, which is incredible. Uh, it's a hilarious little bit that they go through. Yeah, I mean. I love as a person who plays a lot of simulation sports video games. I do love me some simulation sports, um, but unfortunately, my favorite sport is paired with my least favorite video game developer, EA. So they have they have some pretty unkind words to say about Madden in that in that recent window because they were like, "We don't have a choice. We have to do Madden." Um, yeah, but uh, we're gonna throw these away as soon as we're done with this video. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. So. I, I I won't even get on my soapbox about EA Madden. They just suck, and that's that's all I have to say. Like, <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. I mean, we complained about it many times. But dude, no. Um, I mean, I appreciate you bringing up some good long form YouTube content because uh, there's so much good long form YouTube content out there like videos that are an hour an hour and a half long that are worth sitting through and uh, and, and enjoying and, and not being afraid of the timestamp on the thumbnail right <laughs> like, an hour and a half <laughs> this is YouTube <laughs> well you just you just gotta like you know put time aside like okay I could watch a movie or I could watch a television an episode of a television show or I could watch this um, because a lot of them like at this point are meeting that criteria or above yes right? yes i mean it's incredible some of the stuff that some of the channels that are doing amazing things like uh, uh are doing like documentary stuff i think sb nation uh or secret base is definitely one of those that puts out documentary quality content um another one is, that i always think of is Sun summoning salt who makes um speed run history videos those ones are amazing um he does such a good job and I love how he's like become this authority on speedrunning essentially, and like he doesn't he doesn't like put a lot of personality of himself into the um, into the videos. He's just like stating it like a, like as a historian would, and it's awesome just watching all these little things and his little tiny explanations and everything. Um, Though the one that really got to me recently he made was called the Human Limit, which was about how close people are getting to the theoretically fastest time in Super Mario uh, Bros, um, which is uh, amazing. They're, they're they're down to like a couple of frames. It's like four or five frames they have to do. They have to uh, perfect, and then they'll be able to beat the game as fast as a computer can. Um, and uh, it's just incredible. No one. And like the the theme of that video is like nobody thought this would be possible, right? They thought back then that the, it would not be possible to do any of these tricks, and now people are doing them every single day. What's possible next? Um, it's it's cool. That um, is cool. Yeah, it really I mean, scratches that scratch my itch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the same realm as for video game documentaries, I guess. Turn down for Walt, our uh, our mutual yeah. friend from college some of his content i mean i'm not the biggest melee guy but it's really easy to get into it when it's uh you know just are presented in that documentary format and it tells a story after watching um i want to say it was called apex uh the story of apex 2015 which was this tournament that while like it ended up being epic originally was like horribly put together and the facility that they were going to have it in literally like collapsed and people oh were God. scrambling to find a new place to put and they're like carrying around these huge tube <laughs> televisions to like find a new place to set up and it was like chaos 
and it's all documented. There are people with cameras everywhere. It's so cool to think that like this. It's just so cool this all happened. And um, when you have like the story surrounding it, I mean, it's no different than a sports documentary at that point to me. It's just another story of competition. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that. It doesn't really matter what the sport is. Yeah, no, I think it definitely is, and I think the the format's slightly different. Um, like normally you don't see a lot of interviews from people, but there's a lot of people that are consulted, um, who are like experts in those fields. You know, it's, it's become kind of a norm that like they, when these like big channels reach out to you and say, Hey, I want to do a video about your community. Um, they like jump in and say, Hey, yeah, I, I absolutely love it because they get so much attention from it and so much like, um, positive feedback from, from stuff like that. And that's the thing that's really interesting about the speedrunning community in general is that they are known for being extremely welcoming because you know it takes a special kind of person to want to do the exact same thing every single day over and over and over again and so anyone who's willing to even try that they're like hey hey yeah come on come on we're not gonna be mean to you obviously like we want more of you in here so um it's amazing like seeing how that uh that community has like inside of the gamer culture has risen as being one of the more positive and welcoming communities um, on the internet. So it's, it's cool seeing that work out. And, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. It's, it's something to kind of gives me a little hope, I guess, <laughs> it's something to break up all of the uh, monotony and news that I end up consuming. So definitely. Anyway, um, this Vsauce video that I watched is about, is about how things don't exist. The, the, the name of the video is called do chairs exist. And it's I, I I'm not going to be able to do it. A lot well, of hold on, hold on. So, so can I take understand. a guess? Because I've heard yeah. a, something similar to this, where it's like the word chair is something we made up to define what a chair is, but what a chair is is actually really nebulous, and you can tell like what a chair is when you see it, but there's a lot of different things that could be considered a chair, and there's like it's really hard. It blurs the lines for when something stops being a chair and becomes something else or when something becomes a chair and stops being something else. Is that it's, anywhere in the same conversation? Definitely. It, it's That's part of it, for sure. The, the the thing that he's talking about more broadly is, like, a chair is made up of other things, right? A chair is made up of screws and metal and a seat and stuff, right? But those things are also made up of little things, right? To the point where there's, you know, it's made up of molecules or atoms or smaller stuff, right? And um, they, they call this the. In, this is a very philosophical um, discussion. And so they have special terms for things. They call the smallest thing possible simples, and then they call uh, chairs and uh, rocks and stuff ordinary objects. Those are official terms for them. As it is with lots of philosophical discussions, ultimately they're not that useful. But it is. It does give you an interesting perspective. And it took me a little while to really grasp what he was talking about. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it justice here, but. The idea is like, okay, you have a chair or something and it's made up of a bunch of little things, right? But how can you know when that collection of little things is a chair and when it is not a chair anymore, right? Like imagine if you were to find where that line is and you just took away one atom, right? And like, oh, now it's no longer a chair. I no longer recognize it as a chair, but you put that atom back, like, oh, obviously it's a chair, right? That's <laughs> absurd. That doesn't really happen. What he's arguing is like the idea of a chair, like if we were to count the number of things that you were looking at when you looked at a chair, how would you do it? Would you say there's one chair here? Or would you say there's 
you know, six billion atoms here, right? Or would you say there's six billion one things here? There's six billion atoms and one chair, right? Because then, because if you start doing that, then it starts to get weird because you're like, okay, well, what is a collection of things? Uh, the bikini is a great example of this, right? Bikini is a two-piece bathing suit, right? There's a bottom half and a top half. They're not connected, but they are one thing. You, if you were to say that, if you were to look at that bikini and say there are two things there, you you sort of sound crazy because there's really only one thing there, and you know that those two things, even though they're not physically connected, are the same thing. So you have to try and figure out how do you deal with the problem of, like, double counting. Basically, is the problem he's trying to solve. And what he says is that, like, things are not things; they are collections of things. And they are arranged in shapes that we recognize. So this is not a chair. It is a collection of simples arranged chair-wise is the, the term he uses. Um, which is like, okay, I, I like, again, he keeps like going back and forth in the video going, okay, I, you know, this sounds silly. I know you're just like, doesn't it seem like you're just inserting words where there's maybe words? But it's... Um, <laughs> It becomes like because more poignant, I think, when you start thinking about like what is a collection of things, right? If I have a box full of stuff, do I count the collection of stuff as a thing and the stuff inside of the box, or do I just count the stuff in the box? And it sort of depends on your definition, but it also depends on how you define individual things. And that line can be easily be blurred uh, from one state to another. So. Ultimately, it comes down to these simples can be arranged in many, many different ways and will be over the course of their existence, right? Right now, they are, they are arranged like a chair, but in the future, they can be arranged in many other ways. So it's not really accurate to say that this chair exists, just that these things that make up the chair exist and that they are arranged like a chair. The example that really just did it, like did went home for me was he had a piece of paper and then another piece of paper that was folded into a crane, like a paper origami bird. And he said, okay, how many things do I have here? Do I have a, it looks like I just have one. I have a bird that's, you know, that's made out of paper full and, uh, you know, it's folded up. But it's also a piece of paper, right? Is it two things then? Is it a piece of paper and a bird? Well, no, obviously there's only one of them. But, you know, uh, this paper would still exist if um, I unfolded it, but the bird stops existing as soon as I unfold it. And likewise, that is how every ordinary object is arranged as well, and as people are too, is that you're not just, you're not a thing necessarily, you're an arrangement of things. You are the bird shape, basically, that the paper has been folded into, and instead of just being um, a individual piece. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's one of those, it's one of those videos where like Michael is sitting there on, on the floor in front of a chair. Right. And you're just, and he, the more he talks, the more you start to disassociate. You're like, yes. what, am, what is happening? <laughs> where am I going with this? Uh, man, it's always amazing when, when I watch stuff like that. Um, uh, just like how, someone's words can just transport you to an entirely different perspective and make you totally question even the thing you're viewing right now. Yeah. I mean, what am I supposed to do with this information? <laughs> like, 
I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's the problem. That car is not about to hit me. That's not a car at all. That is a collection of symbols that are forming right. and looking like a car that's speeding towards me. I mean, it certainly has, you know, it certainly has still consequences. But it's just interesting to think about, I think, your place in the universe, I think, is it was a change in perspective. That was the profound part to me. Mm-hmm. Ult- uh, when I finished watching the video, I'm like, okay, that was dumb. I didn't, you know, this wasn't like, oh, uh, a useful new philosophy. This is just like, oh, this is just a way people look at it. Later on, as I was thinking about it more, I kind of crept in my mind. I was like, oh, stuff started to click together. Like, ah, oh, I see. Like, we're, we're really just part of the universe right like people say like oh you're made of star stuff right you're made of the elements from supernovas from billions of years ago which is true but you're also just kind of the like the part of the environment you're part of the earth just kind of uh arranged in the shape that you are in um, as is everything else around you um, so no long, it's no longer just like, oh, I'm an individual, I'm an individual, as much as I am a collection, and I just happen to be like this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something to take away from that, but I'm still working my way through it. Um, no, I do. Anyway. Well, I do enjoy uh, engaging with some of those philosophical ideas, even if it's not purely uh, for utility. You know, it can be fun to no, just absolutely. explore that. Um, and I have to say that my brain is still in recovery from taking in so many <laughs> okay. high-level, important ideas. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me shout out Dave Rubin Clips. That's one of my favorite YouTube channels right now, where they uh, just have clips of Dave Rubin making fun of himself. It's very, very <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a, um, it is fun to like look at philosophy and look at different elements of philosophy and try to figure out like, how can you apply it? But also, like, what kind of perspectives can you pull away from it? That's something that comes up and over and over again in uh, this online uh, webcomic, uh, Existential Comics, where he does little riffs about different um, different philosophers and their philosophies. And ultimately, the joke in a lot of the strips is how, like, we're, these philosophers are in this contest where that requires you to have some sort of practicality. And they always fall on their face because they don't quite... Like, they don't live in the real world enough for them to, like, actually be able to execute anything. Uh, it's hysterical every time. Uh, yeah, I, I love that stuff. And it's, it's but it's, it shows, like, okay, these people's ideas, like, they really stand the test of time and are interesting to mull over. But, like, what, you know, what is the practical nature of this? Um, but that's also kind of, I think some people shy away from that. They're, my brother, who is a mathematician, he has two degrees in uh, math. Uh, he's like the worst thing a mathematician can, the worst thing that can happen to a mathematician is when they find out that their theoretical stuff can be, uh, used, uh, experimentally. Like, no, like, uh, there's this great, um, Sunday morning breakfast cartoon, I think, uh, that I, I can send you. It's basically someone says, hi, I found a, a useful application for your theoretical, uh, thing. It could now cure cancer. And then the guy says, no, <laughs> <laughs> The worst thing that can happen is uh, they can actually use my theoretical uh, musings for something <laughs> useful. <laughs> so I think people just find that uh, that stuff kind of just inherently interesting on its own. And maybe that's the for some people, that's the purpose of being a person is uh, just being able to think interesting things. It's certainly one of the perks of being a person, I'll say. Yeah. It's, it's uh, Put that in the pros column of yeah. being, being people. Yeah. 
being able to <laughs> think of interesting things. <laughs> yeah. We'll put it in that bucket. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So something else that's been kind of uh, – something that's been nagging me, I guess, is I've, I listen to a lot of news content, a lot of political commentators and things, and something that's always frustrating to me is that they almost never give you solutions. They're almost always like, hey, here's this problem, and it's really bad, and it's been going on for a really long time, and I don't know what to do about it. But now you now you know about it too. And uh, sometimes, you know, it's served up with jokes. Sometimes, like, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, humor related to it. But ultimately, a lot of that stuff is really depressing and gives you, like, a very bleak outlook about what's happening. And I don't appreciate it now. Like, I used to really engage with it. But now that, like, I'm in the state where I'm in, where, like, I can basically recognize that lots of different things that we interact with and that have been they're based in tradition have terrible consequences and like we're, we're built on the backs of people that didn't deserve it. Um, and uh, I don't want that anymore. What I really want is some sort of solution. I want to say, okay, what can I do about this? Right. And at first it's like, okay, you know, once I become the president now, then I'll be able to solve all these problems. But like, that's not going to happen. I don't even want to be president. Nobody, nobody who's a sane person wants to be president. Preach, um, preach, dude. But, <laughs> But there's, but there's got to be something I can do. So I've been, so there's this podcast uh, called It Could Happen Here, uh, which is uh, made by Robert Evans. And it talks about, uh, the first season was about the possibility of a second American Civil War. The, se the next season is about a, the impending climate disaster and our failure, the failure of our inf infrastructure and institutions to handle it. Um, but He's very careful to show that, like, there is a way out of this. There is a possibility for this. And something that he preaches on his Behind the Bastards podcast is the roles of individuals to get involved in their, indivi in their immediate communities. It's something that I've really tried to embrace and try because it's something that is definitely true. If you want to change the world, change the world around you, right? Because that is your world. So... It may as well be you changing the world. If you are improving your own circumstances and the circumstances of the people around you, then you have changed the world effectively for yourself and for other people. And the ability to do that and uh, like by doing that, you teach it to other people, encourage it in other people, and give the opportunity to other people to do the same. So I've been looking for opportunities to get involved in recent, like, recent stuff. And all of this you know, coronavirus stuff and the abortion bill in Texas and all this stuff that people were really depressed about, especially on Twitter, um, really got me in a sour mood. And so I was really desperate to find something to do. And there's this page that I've been following and they post on Reddit occasionally uh, that is called the Great Raleigh Cleanup. And they are this group of people that go out and pick up trash on the side of the road. And they've been doing it for uh, I would say probably about like six or seven months at this point, and it's really like taken off. And um, the last couple that they've done has had, you know, 20 or 30 people show up and they've picked up hundreds of pounds of trash. And I went to a couple of them now, and it's such a like therapeutic experience, honestly. Just making something clean, like taking, and it's like, oh, no one's going to see this necessarily, but it doesn't really matter because it's like, like some of this trash has been here for years and finally somebody's here to pick it up and, and, and take it away and let the environment sort of take it over. Um, I mean, some of those places you're in almost still feel wild, you know, even though it's like really close to a road, it feels like 
we just didn't we just sort of forgot to develop this plot of land and now it's covered in trash so it's uh it's just such a nice way i feel like and it's such a and it's such a small thing too it really is small you know uh, because i'm not really you know i'm not donating money to the poor i'm not like helping people out necessarily directly but i am improving the environment around me and simply practicing that um will lead me to doing more in the future and interacting with people who are willing to organize people to do that is exactly the kind of people i want to spend time with because those are the kind of people that will stand up for what's right when the when the uh, time comes so it's a uh, it's been such a nice thing for me to finally do and i think it's been a long time coming and I just, uh, I just really feel better about myself. But also, like, I, I, it's not even like, oh, I'm better than other people for, for doing this. It's more like I'm finally able to use the gifts that I have, my opportunities and privilege, to help my community. And not to be so concerned about what is going on with me and more concerned about what's going on with my environment. Sure. No, I think that's really admirable. And I really like your thought process behind it because it can be really depressing to listen to national news. I mean, that's something, again, I, I don't know because I've only been alive for 26 years, but uh, it's um, we're more, I've heard that we're more concerned with like national and global news than ever before, where the more informed people or quote unquote informed when it comes to news are people paying attention to what's happening at the national level. And they might not have any idea what's going on in their local community. And that is, that's frustrating because yeah, like you said, like your local community is where you can actually have the biggest impact. Um, so, uh, you know, sitting there in frustration, uh, wishing that things we would be better on the national level seems like such a waste of energy and a waste of time uh, when you could be, you know, making an impact, even if it's small, uh, but it, it, like an impact at all on your local yeah. community. Um, I saw this hilarious Onion article. Uh, it said, report, most Americans can't even name their state shadow lord. <laughs> and it had like <laughs> state bird, it had like, uh, what is this, Kansas? It was like state bird, the western meadowlark, state flower, wild sunflower, state shadow lord, xanthaniacs. <laughs> and it has like this like demon looking person. <laughs> but I think what they're memeing on is that a lot of people feel like, alienated from their own community uh and i think that what you're saying is is a good way to deal like to to combat that alienation uh because not only do you get more invested in your community by making it better but you also meet the people that are there who also are invested yeah. in making it better when you went to exactly. when you went to pick up garbage on the side of the road did you uh did the local police get involved at all uh i went and no picked it it, they, I think they, they. I saw some posts where they, they had police escorts and stuff before, but uh, they weren't there for the times I was there. Okay, yeah, because I don't know if there's like some sort of rules as to like who's allowed to be loitering on the side of the highway. But when I, I did a similar thing with the Girl Scouts. Actually, um, my mom is involved with the Girl Scouts in my hometown, and we. Uh, she was like, "You should come with us." So I went with them to pick up trash on the side of the highway, uh, and it was nice because we did have the cops out there kind of watching out for us us uh to make sure that uh we didn't get hit by traffic but uh like you know for crossing larger parts of the uh the road but uh yeah no i think that's really admirable yeah i mean that's i keep thinking about hyper normalization right and how they they stress the birth of the individual in that right the death of the collective and the the 
the, um, the push toward individualism. And you see this over and over again, like especially for like climate stuff, right? How individual people, the, the, the push was like, you, you are responsible for climate change. You should be recycling. And, and you shouldn't be using that straw. Yeah, no more straws for you. No more plastic bags. Like that's how we're going to save the earth is if you stop doing that. But like that's totally bullshit because it's not just you. It's everyone, but also the like the the people that are making the biggest impact are the ones pushing the message saying it's you, not us. Yeah. Definitely not us. <laughs> so it, the whole thing is uh it's just kind of a a way for us like hypernormalizations like really convinced me that the individualism or the, the myth of individualism is um, perpetuated to keep people from being able to be effective. And while you engaging with highly clickable, you know, very public national news that's appealing to everyone in the country um, or even beyond that, you are no longer, uh, you're sort of sacrificing your uh your collective action, your ability to act in a collective manner, because you can't have an effect on the national level, but you can have an effect on your local level. But that stuff is uh, not quite as interesting or as flamboyant, you know? It's not quite as crazy. Um, although, yeah, some people may disagree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want my infotainment. I don't want to just watch the yeah. news. I want to be, I demand to be entertained. Uh, so, you know, tough luck. We need to get some uh we need to get the columbia south carolina version of hassan uh to tell me all the going ons around my town right. like eight hours a day so that i can be informed while being entertained the 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 person i think who does this the best on youtube is a youtuber called friendly geordies uh, who's australian he lives in um, new south wales in australia and he has not only does he have calls to action constantly in his videos, but he has become and made himself into a major news source for the opposition. He constantly claims that nobody, none of the major news stations uh, cover the news correctly, and they all have a slant toward the party in power, which is the Liberal Party, uh, which is the Conservative Party in Australia, just to be confusing. Um, and Wait, what are uh, the Liberal, well, what's the Progressive Party called? The Labor Party. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes more sense. <laughs> the, um, but he he constantly talks about New South Wales, and he constantly talks about Australia. And he doesn't. Uh, he knows he has a wider audience, but he doesn't care, right? He's all of his jokes and stuff, and all of his content is tailored toward the people in his local community and about and the people in his like his state. And he has made huge strides for vote like voter turnout and for like changing the priorities of the system he has interviewed uh like uh what's it uh ex premiers or like the the president of australia like the ex-presidents of australia have come on his show wow. uh the opposition leader uh, f uh for his state uh, uh she came on his show and everything and they do like these long form interviews and he also makes these funny videos where he talks about what's going wrong in australia and he makes fun of people and all this stuff right now he's being sued by the vice like I guess it's it's like the vice governor is like the deputy governor of his state because he made all these videos calling him corrupt, um, and he is biting at the bit. Jordy is Jordan is biting at the bit to go to court to prove that this guy is as corrupt as he claims he is. Wow! That's... But this guy has sent the secret police after his by, after Jordan's employees has tried to sue him into stopping. 
Um, and uh, Jordan's just taking it in stride and, and continues to sell uh, little uh, penis-shaped uh, keychains that have the guy's face on them. So <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and uh, like that's how you know you're having an impact, right? Is when people in power start to feel threatened by you. Um, or as they and, say, and, uh, you know, in early 2010s Facebook, if you, if you have haters, that means you're doing something right. Right. Uh, exactly. What, what, what is it? Uh, I can't remember what they say it all the time. in The QAnon anonymous podcast, they say, um, Oh, you're over the target. That's what they say. If you're flying, like the, if you're flying over like the, uh, the enemy's base and you're getting shot at, that means you're in the right place. Right. right so, right. um, you're over the target is, is what they say. And it's exactly right in this case. I would believe, I believe. Um, and it's, I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't see that from anyone else. Right. And I wish other people were, um, as engaged with like his community, other communities as, as Jordan is. And it inspires me to do something similar, but on a small scale, right? In my county, in my state, or just my city or whatever, right? Because I think that's a key to his um, popularity and to his success is that Australia is not as populous as the United States. It's not quite, a, so it's not quite as diverse, right? And so he can appeal to a, a, a exactly the people he needs to appeal to um, because they're all right there with him. And um, it's it's actually made a difference. So it's uh, it's cool like seeing someone actually do that work and have it come out well. And it, and I'm waiting for it to happen in the U.S. But I just don't I just don't see it happening unless it happens on a small scale. Well, I'm always a fan of the uh, the new media toppling the corrupt and decrepit yeah. establisher. What, what is it called? Legacy media. So good yeah. for him. You know. David and Goliath. Definitely. Yes, that's right. To quote um, Dave Rubin, David versus Google. <laughs> Wait, I'm missing the. <laughs> he's, he claims that like he's being shadow banned and uh, stuff because uh, he, like his videos aren't popping up or aren't as popular as he wants them to be. I and see. So he's saying it's like he's David and then uh, Goliath is Google. So ah. he's, he's David versus Google. He's like, see, uh, I, Google is Google be- is Goliath because they're really big. And I'm David because my name is Dave. That's right. <laughs> you understand. I would love to meet an unironic Dave Rubin fan. Like, I would love to meet someone who watches him because they actually like him. And why? It's hard because to it's, know if they exist. Yeah, it is hard to know if they exist. Because, again, like, even if you have conservative viewpoints and, like, line up with Dave Rubin's, like, uh, alleged beliefs, there are better pundits so it's like who yeah. is settling for dave when they can have <laughs> shapiro or, or any other number or tucker carlson you know or yes yes i don't know i really don't i don't know maybe he's got that, that appeal of like you know he's a, like like ah you know he's kind of a, he's kind of a dork but you know i like him because he's very authentic he really believes it he's yeah. an idiot like me <laughs> I, you know, I can, I can. <laughs> right <laughs> Very relatable. <laughs> anyway, I um, yeah, I, get involved in your local community is what I'm trying to say. Get, All right. try, go out there and do something, uh, even if you know it's volunteering at the food bank or um, picking up trash on the side of the road or any of those things. Like, not only does it like make, does not only is it cleaning up your environment, but it's it's in allowing you to practice your citizenry. Citizenry, that's the word. Ah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. See, if we were a little more involved, we'd be more certain. As to what it's called. Okay. 
you got me. Uh, it's all it's all a ploy. Yeah. Well, I'll see. You, you'll get more and more involved, and then we'll have your vocabulary for this kind of discussion will. That's multiply. true. It will improve. Yeah. And you won't be able to stand me. Um, <laughs> I think that's all I've got for this off-script episode. Do you have anything else you want to add, Benjamin? Uh, no, I think I, I'm I'm happy we had this discussion, Joey. I'm uh, excited to see you soon in real life when this episode drops. We'll be mere days away from another IRL encounter. Uh, believe it, it or be not, incredible. these episodes are not filmed in person all the time. Sometimes they are, but uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you in uh, face-to-face. Uh, so that's going to be nice. Yes, it will. But uh, that's all for Affable Chat today. Uh, we have plugs that I am We truly do have about. plugs that I already had pulled up before we started, of course. And I'm not just... Uh, Pulling them up now. I'm not definitely not stalling for time as I pull them up. <laughs> and neither am I, obviously. Why would I do that? You I can subscribe to Affable Chat on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. And we also have a YouTube channel um, that has videos of us. That's right. And Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Affable Chat. Uh, yeah, do you want yeah, to that's, that's, I, I, It's my episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for us at Affable Chat. I'm Joey. And I'm Benjamin. Thanks for listening.